Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L. J. LaFura, I sped that up due to time constraints as we had a great interview today for you guys, but I'm alongside currently Brandon Karam on this Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, what did you think of this interview today and how was your day? Day was good and uh, yeah, we have a great interview for you all today. Uh, We talked to Brad Chandler from the Pesky Report podcast, another podcast, a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. And we broke down the entire AL East. We went almost an hour with him, uh, did a real in-depth breakdown on all five teams, what they've done so far, what their future outlook is. And it was it was really a fun time. I, I love the two, two Red Sox fans, one Yankee fan dynamic that we had going uh so much fun and uh you know i think it was the start of a good you know sort of sub series that we're going to be running here uh this these next few weeks where we go through all all six uh divisions and uh yeah break them down yeah you know honestly our goal here is to be able to bring somebody on for each one i mean i don't think we are planning on rushing the breakdowns because I mean realistically we're going to have generally the same thoughts I don't think there's much going to change between now and next week 
in terms of who we like, who we don't like significantly. So we're going to try to find some great knowledgeable people with expertise in those divisions to be able to talk about this with and have more fun like this. But funny enough with this one, and we'll talk about this later, particularly in the Blue Jays Red Sox game from today, a lot of the stuff we discussed came up tonight. So we will get into this though, as we had a rather full day and a rather full win for the New York Mets. Mets played the Padres today and scoring didn't begin until the bottom of the fifth when Billy McKinney hit an RBI double right off the outside of the right field padding. It scores Kevin Pillar to make this a one nothing game. And then Jacob DeGrom, the DeGrominator, manages to drive in two runs for himself in addition to having a phenomenal day. In the top of the seventh, the Padres would get on the board with a Jake Cronenworth two-run home run, but they would fall 3-2 to two to the Mets. Give the win to the DeGrominator with another brilliant start. I got the privilege of watching the majority of DeGrom innings. I mean, honestly, this is starting to get into the range where you're a fool for missing a single DeGrom. It's must-watch TV, yeah. I had it on. Like, there was no question. Uh, the Red Sox were on, and I made sure to make sure – I made sure to get back to the DeGrom half innings. Like I've been, I've been trying to keep up with as much NBA playoffs as I can. And I, for you poor soul. I, I, I totally did not care about Hawks Sixers. Uh, so I could watch Jacob DeGrom and it was, it was very, it was very worth it. Uh, LJ, but you know, now he has driven in more runs than runs allowed. Um, anyway, we get into his line as we're already breaking it down here. He went six innings, allowing one hit, no walks, no earned runs, and 10 strikeouts, dropping his ERA for the season to 0.56, the lowest ERA through 10 starts in MLB history. And yet he has two losses. I mean, I just, want, just want, want, want to make sure that's there. Just to remind you all that this is still the Mets he's playing for. I mean, this guy has completely broken, like, the game. He, he's just – he's putting up better than, than video game numbers. Yeah, honestly, the only thing could, that could stop him at this point is himself. And it's not – he is he's just getting better every single year. I mean, LJ, he got Fernando Tatis Jr. out on a slider tonight that was 94.9 miles an hour. His slider. His slider. I mean, and it's – he is, you know, uh, we were talking about – whether or not a Kershaw at the beginning of the 2010s was, was better than this. It is very close now because these two, because, or because what Jacob deGrom is doing this year is just breaking all logic. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, again, it all depends on the time frame. If we were talking about 2010s, it's definitely still deGrom, deGrom or not deGrom, Kershaw, Kershaw and more Kershaw, but of our baseball memories at this rate, Jacob deGrom is going to be the one 
that we're always going to remember. I mean, he's getting into that range of like the Michael Jordan range. Remember the the infamous quote, the only uh, person who could stop Michael Jordan from scoring 20 points was Dean Smith. Well, <laughs> the only person that can stop Jacob deGrom from p- pitching a complete game shutout is Luis Rojas. Um, it is worth mentioning here. And again, this is really the only game we're going to stop this long. Well, talk. He, he did get hurt. I mean, that's why. Yeah, he- that's what I was about to mention is he did leave this game, of course, in the sixth inning with only one hit because of uh, flexor tendonitis. So we are unsure exactly. A, I'm not. I, I am a unsure of exactly what that entails. But from the sounds of it, there's not a lot of people that are like freaking out about it yet. So I have to imagine that it's not anything like major, and that maybe it's maybe it's a scratch start or two, but. I, I de- definitely haven't seen the world. I feel like at this point with DeGrom at a 0.56 ERA, if this was something that was going to make him miss significant time, the sports world would be burning down right now. So I feel pretty comfortable. All right. Uh, let's keep um, going. Oh. I got distracted. Sorry. The loss will go to Blake Snell. This was kind of like the um, – dark cinematic universe version of baseball here you've got snellzilla versus the degrominator fighting it out he went four innings allowing three earned runs and four strikeouts and the save goes to edwin diaz his 11th on the year all right uh on to the rays and the orioles top three trey mancini 12th home run of the year two run bomb to make it two nothing orioles could we see trey mancini in colorado at the all-star game uh probably not probably not but uh he certainly put up a stat line that would indicate uh an all-star status bottom three manny margot hits into a force out but that scores the Rays' first run of the game and then in the bottom of the fourth they get a two-run home run from brandon lau his 11th on the year to make it 3-2 Tampa. They add on to that with a Manny Margot single bottom seven. Tampa wins 4-2. Ryan Yarbrough got the start. Six innings, uh, allowing two runs, but uh, there was no earned runs. Six strikeouts for him. The loss to Keegan Aiken, four innings, five hits, three earned. And the save goes to Pete Fairbanks, his second on the year. All right, next up, we've got the Red Sox and the Blue Jays in AL East matchups, two teams that we'll be talking about a lot later. And this one, if you're a Red Sox fan, you were worried about the ghosts of the last time Garrett Richards had to start against Toronto, and it didn't look very good to start. He threw upwards of 30 pitches in the first inning and allowed three earned runs in the first two innings. Uh, two off of RBIs by Teoscar Hernandez and one off of Bo Bichette. Bottom of the third, things started to even out a little bit as Bobby Dahlbeck sends a piss missile to center field to make this a 3-1 ball game. Hirokazu Sawamura comes in in the top of the sixth and allows a home run to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This one was to the tune of two runs in his 19th on the year, making this a 5-1 game. But from here, it all went downhill. Hunter Renfro in the bottom of the six singles to drive in Alex Verdugo, making this a 5-2 game. And then it came time 
for the infamous Tyler Chatwood, relieving Ross Stripling with five and two thirds left into this game. Um, Stripling, of course, was a part of that infamous blow up against the Tampa Bay Rays several weeks ago, where they allowed about a million runs in a singular inning. And it, it, it had shades of it this time. Again, he hits the first batter he sees, then throws four straight balls to Marwin Gonzalez to walk in a run with runners on first and second to start. So bases loaded, walks in a runner on four straight pitches, then proceeds to allow um, a wild pitch in a bat here where he ends up going down 3-1 before hitting the batter, leaving himself pulled finally after three batters with the bases loaded and Toronto gets out of that jam, but now only leading 5-4. In the bottom of the sit, it takes till the bottom of the eighth for another score to come through as Christian Arroyo sends a piss missile once again over the monster for the second night in a row. That's a bingo and a bango, his third of the year, and this ties the game up. Top of the ninth, you know, there's a little bit of antics here as you bring Garrett Whitlock in for his second inning of the game, and he ends up with runners on second and third with two outs. And what and the or no, I'm sorry, base is loaded with two outs. And the rookie catcher up, he ends up popping up into the down the right first baseline, a pop up that Bobby Dahlbeck completely overran and nearly caught nearly cost the game with that play, but he's able to get out of that inning. Now, Brandon, at first we talked about the woes of the Toronto bullpen and the whole Matt Andrees throwing seven balls in a row the other night, which we got shades of in this game. The other thing we talked about with this, this team was me giving a free pass to the Toronto shortstop and right in third baseman Biggio and Bichette because of how hard it was to play in Dunedin and how bad the conditions were. Well, I don't look so great now. A pretty routine ball was sent to Bo Bichette, who then throws it offline, leading Guerrero, or I'm sorry, not Guerrero. It was uh, Rowdy Tellez into the runner, which knocks the ball loose, allowing him to run to second. In the next play, Alex Verdugo hits a ball off the green monster to walk this one off. The Red Sox win this six to five, give the win to Garrett Whitlock. It's his second of the year. The loss will go to Rafael Dolis in the ninth inning. And yeah, I mean, overall, I think that was a very full, very exciting game. You know, I, I certainly wasn't expecting after saying I expect them to look a little better this half season for there to be such an egregious error by Bichette right in that first game after I say it. But, you know, I will take that win. I believe you also have. I am. I am next. Um, it is the Dodgers, correct? The Dodgers game is going to honestly be pretty simple, as of course they are playing the Rangers here in the bottom of the thirst. They get thirst. <laughs> that would be very different. Um, that would be a very different type of show. Max Muncie, Justin Turner, and Gavin Lux are able to 
send balls out of the stadium in the first inning, scoring six runs between the three of them, putting them up, of course, six nothing. They add to that in the bottom of the third and the fourth, particularly with one from a very great man who has a very great phrase. My name is Al, and I hit dingers in the fourth inning. He got, has his 10th home run of the year, puts them up 9 nothing. A Will Smith homer puts them up 10 nothing. And this game couldn't have gone any worse for the Rangers as they drop this one 12-1. to Give the win to Clayton Kershaw. He went six innings, allowing three earned runs or three three hits, no earned runs, nine strikeouts. The loss goes to Mike Fultonevich. He went two innings, allowing two, two and two-thirds of an inning, allowing eight hits, seven earned runs, and three home runs. Whew. All right. Uh, White Sox and Tigers. These teams exchange runs in the second inning. Both teams hitting home runs. Adam Angle for the White Sox and Nomar Mazzara for the Tigers. Uh, then the top of the fourth, Adam Angle hits into a double play that nets a run. Danny Mendick with an RBI single in the top of the fifth, and it's 3-1 White Sox. Bottom five, though, Isaac Paredes with his first home run of the year. And that gives the Tigers, or that puts the Tigers uh, behind by one now, the White Sox leading three to two. In the top of the sixth, uh, catcher Jake Rogers overthrows second base, and that uh, allows the White Sox to score another run four to two at that point. Then the rain came, and Liam Hendricks came on to pitch in the ninth, and it was raining hard. And prior to Hendricks throwing a pitch, he decided to step off the mound and just chuck the ball off to the side and tell the umpire, I can't pitch in this. It's raining too hard. So the umps basically made him stand out there until then Tony, big uncle Tony, came out and talked to the umps and convinced them to make it a rain delay. Well, they make it a rain delay. Hendricks comes back. Ball is all dry now. There's no complaining about the ball being wet. And he allows a game-tying two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth by Daz Cameron. And we're tied at four. But then Yoan Moncada bails the White Sox out on the top of the tenth. The Manfred rule strikes again. Sacrifice fly gives the White Sox a five-to-four lead. They bring in Aaron Bummer to close it out. They win five to four. The win to Liam Hendricks also gets the blown save. And out of all the pitchers that pitched in this game tonight, he was the worst pitcher, and he gets the win. One inning, two hits, two earned runs, a home run. The loss to Jose Cisnero, now 0-4 on the year. He goes one inning, allowing no hits, no earned runs, one walk takes the loss, and the save to Aaron Bummer, his second on the year, behind a Lucas Giolito, six innings, two earned runs, nine strikeout start. How disappointing that Detroit had to uh, face him at the end of the game, you know? But I'll tell you, there is nothing that you could learn possibly from this family more than how to sweet talk somebody. And Tony, Tony got, Tony's got the goods. He had to go out in the pouring rain. 
Sweet talk. He's going places because he knows he's got the family behind him, and he knows what could happen to those umpires if he didn't he's get going his way. places. He's. I don't know how many more. I don't know how many more places he can go. He's. he's I mean, he can always go up, but that would, of course, mean he'd have to take off, take out uh, the Dom, Craig Biggio, and I'm not sure he's taking out Craig Biggio anytime soon. Um. Now, moving into this uh, Angels D-backs game, which ended up being the last game of the night. Scoring started in the top of the third with a Kurt Suzuki home run. And then Shohei Otani and Tony Rendon. Oh, no. Both drive-in runs to make this 3 nothing game. In the bottom of the fifth, disaster strikes for the Angels as they balk and wild pitch in runs to make this a 3-2 game. From there, Kurt Suzuki comes up big again with an RBI single to make this a 4-2 game. Then, in the bottom of the sixth, Arizona gets RBIs from Christian Walker and Josh Rojas to tie up this game. The bottom of the second sees the Angels score on a wild pitch from Taylor Clark. This time, it's Justin Upton coming home, and Arizona manages to get this one back with a bottom of the ninth full count home run by Eduardo Escobar, his 15th of the year. The winning run would come by way of Max Stassi, who is able to drive in, of course, the Manfred runner to give them the lead. Arizona was unable to put that runner through and they fall six to five. Give the win to Rafael Iglesias out of the bullpen. Shohei Otani went five innings, allowing two earned runs and eight strikeouts. Um, if I'm correct, he did hit Merrill Kelly with a line drive today. So obviously he wants to be the only pitcher out there. He doesn't want to just be the best pitcher out there. He wants to be the only pitcher. Yeah. He, he's throwing, he, 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 hit, he hit a batter pretty hard earlier in the year too, like twice. So – Today was the like the the peak Otani game though. Two for four hitting with an RBI, and then five innings with eight strikeouts pitching. I mean that yeah, is but, insane. But Brandon, he, he just because he's the uh, only two way player in the league doesn't mean he doesn't want to be the only player on either side of the ball in the league. No, we might have no. to be very careful at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stay. Just gonna start stay, taking stay. people out. Um. Only kidding here, of course. The loss goes to Ryan Butcher out of the bullpen. Merrill Kelly, of course, got the start here. He went five innings, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts. The save will go to Alex Claudio, his first of the year. All right, on to the Mariners and the Indians. Uh, Not really much to talk about in this game. The Seattle ends up with two hits and gets shut out. the Indians, 14 hits. They score seven runs, a lot of it thanks to Bobby Bradley, who drew a, a bases loaded walk in the first uh, and then hit a home run in the third and then an RBI single in the sixth, a two RBI single. Uh, Indians win 7 nothing. Aaron Savalli, eight innings, one hit, no earned, one walk, 11 strikeouts. Amazing start from him tonight, and he improves to nine and two, tied for the league lead with nine wins. 
Justin Dunn takes the loss, three innings, nine hits, five earned, three strikeouts. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, next we've got the Cubs and the Cardinals. Top of the second, Matt Carpenter singles to drive in the first run of the game. And then the top of the third, Nolan Arenado adds in another RBI hit to make this a 2-0 game. Chicago's first run comes in the bottom of the fourth with a Jock Peterson dinger, his eighth on the season. And then in the top of the fifth, Dylan Carlson and Nolan Arenado drive in runs to make this a 5-1 game, but that would be all St. Louis would manage to score as the Cubs drop seven unanswered runs on them, including home runs by Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras to win 8-5. to five. Give the win to Nance out of the bullpen. He came in a little bit after Cole Stewart, got the, who got the start, left after four innings, allowing five earned runs and three strikeouts. The loss will go to Genesis Cabrera. He came into the pen for Johan Oviedo, who started this game going four and a third, allowing four earned runs and five strikeouts. The save will go to Craig Kimbrell, his 16th on the year. Uh. It's the Pirates and the Brewers. Oh, right. Yep, yep, yep. I'm a little off the schedule here tonight. You know, I'm just kind of falling apart. But I can I find the game. I had the notes here. Hold on. Um, there it is. All right. The scoring started here in the top of the second with a Ben, ben Gamble home run for Pittsburgh. This is followed by two runs in the bottom of the second by Milwaukee. Another score wouldn't come until Gregory Polanco hit his sixth home run of the year in the top of the sixth, and then a huge run for Milwaukee in the bottom of the seventh as a Christian Yelich double, and then three walks from Willie Adamas, Jace Peterson, and Jackie Bradley Jr. all drive in runs to make this a 7-2 ball game in favor of Milwaukee. Brian Hayes hit his Third home run of the year should be fourth home run of the year in the top of the eighth to make this 7-4, but they fall, of course, to that same score because they cannot put up any more runs. The win will go to Brandon Woodruff. He went seven innings, allowing two earned runs and five strikeouts. The loss will go to Holmes for Pittsburgh. He came in in relief of DeYoung, who went five innings, allowing two earned runs and two strikeouts. The save goes to Josh Hader, his 15th. 
Brandon Woodruff on opening day allowed three earned runs. And since then, he has not allowed more than two earned runs in any start. Wow. And yet uh, he's going to get, and yet he still seems to get, keep getting outclassed just slightly by Corbin Burns. And Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> and Jacob DeGrom, of course. You know, you know, Jacob DeGrom, it's like another level. They should just kind of separate the two awards. But how about uh, Hader here? He's got a .73 ERA on the season. I didn't realize it was nearly that low. I mean, it's what you expect from this guy. He's amazing. But that's, that's very solid. All right. Uh, Astros and Twins, lots of solo home runs in this one. Uh, Nelson Cruz, Miguel Sano, and Josh Donaldson do it for Minnesota in the first three innings. And then the fifth and sixth, Jose Altuve and Yuli Gurriel, both homer for the Astros. And we're tied at three after six innings. Top seven, Alex Bregman ground out that scores Jose Altuve to make it 4-3. But then bottom eight, Josh Donaldson with his third home run in two days. Uh, he hits his 10th of the year, and we're tied at four. Top nine, though, Martin Maldonado, RBI double, and then Michael Brantley single. The Astros rally late off of Matt Shoemaker and win this one. Six to four. Yeah, weird. The twins use Matt Shoemaker out of the bullpen here tonight. Uh, but Ryan Stanek gets the win. Uh, Jose Arquiti had the start seven innings, four hits, three earned, eight Ks for Houston. The loss to Matt Shoemaker out of the bullpen. Now two and eight on the year. Oh, well, that's probably why they got him there. Seven ERA. Yeah, yeah, you might as well try <laughs> him out. All right, next up, we've got the Giants and the Nationals, which just about came down to maybe two plays in this game. The first came in the top of the fourth, where Buster Posey sends his 11th big fly out of the park to make this a 1-0 San Francisco lead. We jump forward to the bottom of the seventh. Juan Soto has a full count, and he sends an absolute bullet to left field, which somehow, some way, gets pulled back into the park by Sir Mike Talkman to save the run and get us to our final score of one nothing Giants. Give the win to Anthony Desclafani, who pitches a complete game, two-hit shutout with one walk and eight strikeouts. That drops his ERA down to 309 on the season, and it's his sixth win. The loss will go to Paolo Espino, who went three and a third, allowing one earned run and five strikeouts after Max Scherzer unfortunately had to leave the game after 12 pitches due to a groin injury. Oh, right. just thinking about that, though. I hate the groin injuries. Yeah. Not good. On to the A's and the Royals. <clears throat> and uh, we're scoreless till the bottom of the fourth where Matt Chapman rips an RBI double and then Seth Brown with a two-run homer. It's 3-0 Oakland. Salvador Perez homers in the top of the seventh to get Kansas City on the board. Uh, Michael A. Taylor then is able to reach on a, on a fielder's choice and an error by Elvis Andrews scores a run and it's 
uh, 3-2. Oakland still leads. Then Perez ties the game with another home run in the eighth. His 16th on the year tied at three. But bottom nine, the Royals bring in Scott Barlow, and the A's are able to rally. Uh, They get a Matt Chapman double. Then they intentionally walk Seth Brown. Then Elvis Andrews with a game-winning walk-off single. The A's win four to three. Lou Trevino gets the win. Cole Irvin got the start. Six innings, one earned, four strikeouts. The loss to Scott Barlow. Brady Singer got the start. Six innings, three earned, seven strikeouts. Let's move into this Marlins-Braves game. Scoring starts in the top of the first where Ozzie Albies rips in Ronald Acuna for the first run of the game. This is tied up by Adam Duvall in the next half inning on a sacrifice fly. In the top of the third, Ozzie Albies, once again, he do- this time he doubles to drive in Acuna and make this a 2-1 ball game. Moving forward into the bottom of the fourth and Miami gets just the run support that they need as John Birdie hits an RBI single. And then Jazz Chisholm gets a two RBI single shortly after that to put Miami up 4-2. Ronald Acuna manages to get an RBI double in the seventh, but that would not be enough to stave off the 4-3 loss. Give the win to Sandy Alcantara, his fourth win of the year. He went six innings, allowing two earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss goes to Charlie Morton. He went four innings, allowing four earned runs and three strikeouts. The save goes to Yimmy Garcia, his 11th on the year. We will now move directly into the Cincinnati-Colorado game, which was a lot Cincinnati very early. We see home runs by Nick Castellanos, a a drive to deep center field by Castellanos, uh, Scott Heineman homers, Joey Votto homers, Kyle Farmer and Tyler Stevenson also home run hit home runs before the bottom of the fifth was finished to put Cincinnati up nine nothing. They finished this game at a score of eleven to five. Give the win to Tyler Molly, his sixth of the year. He went six innings, allowing four earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Kyle Freeland, who is now 0-2 on the year. He went four innings, allowing eight earned runs, two strikeouts, and five homers to increase his ERA to nine. And there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. There's a drive in a deep center field by Castellanos. This will be a one nothing ball game. I don't know if I want I mean, to I, I, may, I may never be able to talk correctly on this show again. <laughs> All right. So I believe that is all we have for today, Brandon. So again, I think I talked a little too much for our own good. However, we will send you right in, Brandon. Yeah. uh, Thank you for listening to this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Uh, Enjoy this interview with Brad Chandler. A really nice breakdown that we did. Uh, So yeah, enjoy guys. All right, we are here with Brad Chandler from the Pesky Report, another Belly Up Sports podcast. Brad, welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your show real quick? So the Pesky Report is about the Boston Red Sox, which is the greatest baseball franchise in all 
of and, and actually the greatest sport franchise. Um, we do a show every after the last game of every series. Like literally, we like the game will end at eleven thirty. We start recording at eleven thirty one. So uh, we just started about two months ago, right before the season started, and uh, we're doing pretty well. Yeah, I'll say I've certainly been on a couple times. It's a great, great group you've got here with this ensemble uh, crew that that does this. Um, of course, for those of you who don't know, Brad Pesky Report and I have an interesting relationship here as I was his first introduction to Belly Up Sports. That gave, you were. Gave, gave the hard sell, gave the recruiting pitch, and brought them on in to make more great p- content for the network. It wasn't really that hard of a sell. You just gave me a little bit of information. Uh, you told me uh, where to go look uh, at the network and what they provide. I took a look. I was interested. I talked it over with my crew, and uh, we all decided that that was something that we wanted to pursue, and here we are. Uh, 31 episodes later, and uh, we're, we're still having fun. Absolutely. Again, I don't think, I'm sure you cannot complain with services so far here with Belly Up. No, absolutely, absolutely not. Great community, great family. Um, let's jump in here. I mean, I feel like the easiest spot here to go with is the Red Sox. So, why don't we leave the Red Sox for last? You know, okay. leave the best out, for last. Yeah, okay. we can start talking about the worst team. Uh, New York Yankees? No, no. I, I, w- I was going to say the Orioles. I was going to leave the Yankees to you know second to Yankees, last. Right. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> if you, in fairness though, if you ain't first, you're last. I mean, if we're basing it on the standings, we can go third. I'll take. I'll take right in the middle. That's that's fine for the Yankees. Yeah, but yeah, we got to consider form here, Brandon. I'll take the Blue Jays any day over Mr. One Run Yankees. Oh, I don't know. We just had our best series of the season. I mean, it's very I don't know, man. You got swept by the Tigers. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, no, not not just something. that. And then you got swept by your biggest rival at home. Oh, trust me. Me and LJ were at the Sunday night baseball game. We I had to suffer while he uh, got to cheer in my face. Uh, so. There was there was a lot of swooshing broom noises going throughout the bus on the way home. You guys was, took a bus. That's rough. I was oh, certainly yeah. in my glory. Yeah, no, it was a hot day too. So we were lucky at least you got put got flexed into that Sunday night slot. But about these Orioles, they're currently sitting at twenty two and thirty nine, the second worst team by some miracle in the league what were your expectations for a successful season for the Orioles in your head going into this season and do you think they're on their way towards that in all honesty um it's got to be tough being an Orioles fan uh and, and and I don't mean that in any disrespect it just seems like they've been in rebuild mode for years Hmm. Uh, I don't remember when was the last time they were in the postseason. Uh, it wasn't that long 20, ago. 2015? Four, yeah, 14, 14 or 15, because they were good no, in 13. Wow. Yeah. They were really good in 13 and then like faded out into oblivion. But I feel as though everything goes wrong for that team. Like when when it can go wrong, it does go wrong. 
they get good players and then you know just like the rays they'll end up selling them or trading them out and like right now one of the best pieces that they have is cedric mullins uh what a bat that guy is i think the worst piece that they have right now is obviously chris davis He's been one of the worst signings in all of baseball outside of Giancarlo Stanton. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I, 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 I kid, I kid. Um, Rusny Castillo would, would like a word. Rusny Castillo, he was screwed. <laughs> he was screwed because he signed that contract. But back to the orders. Um, I was kind of hoping uh the orioles would be a lot better than they are uh you know obviously i don't think that they would end up being like third in, in the american league east um but the fourth i would take that going into this year i mean it sucked because they swept the red Sox right away and i think that was the first and last time that they had been in first place this year am i wrong no i think that's about yeah that's about right that's basically the same thing that happened last year too the red sox take opening night and then lose the four game series to the orioles they hang in there for like a week and a half and then fell like a rock in the well, lake the 2020 red sox was just absolute garbage i mean when you have a rotation that consists of zach godley and mike Kickham, you know your team's just going to be Dirt trash. <laughs> Chris Chris Maza uh, certainly didn't fare well uh, either. No, I would take my I'd, I'd keep Maza over freaking kick him. I yeah, I just I couldn't stand kick him. That's the thing though is like if we're it, it Chris Maza was not a good pitcher for us. Yeah, was kick him. Yet the fact that we are so willing to keep him if it means getting rid of other guys from that team. It's a really telling sign. Yeah. Zach Godley, I believe, ended up joining the Arizona Diamondbacks. But uh, we can talk about that later. I mean, the 2020 season just shouldn't have happened uh, for the Red Sox. The Red Sox should have just forfeited right away. Oh, if that wasn't a 60-game season, that could have been one of the worst years. Like, It was one of the worst years. <laughs> without, without half the 100 of the games. Uh, I have something about the the Orioles. Uh, so, sure, like, so I I looked it up and it was 2016 that that wild card game against Toronto when so about they, five years ago. Yeah, when they go to Ubaldo Jimenez instead of Zach Britton, who had a, a otherworldly season that year. But um, when I look at Baltimore, like, yes, they have been in sort of a rebuild mode for the past however many years, but this is the first time where they've had like actual good prospects that they can say, all right, this is our future right now. They have three guys in the top 30 and then uh, five in the top 110. So they certainly have a deep uh, farm system. Of course, Adley Rutschman, who is uh, the number two prospect in the big switch hitting catcher. Uh, he will be up soon and uh, should be, the face of this franchise, along with uh, you're assuming a guy like Trey Mancini is going to be around for a few more years. Anthony Santander still has a bunch more service time. So like there's certainly guys there that they can build around. And uh, honestly, 
as an Orioles fan, these next two, three years are going to suck, but there is a lot of hope uh, given their, their current situation. I have to, you have to think like, okay, so they have these prospects that are going to come up and, you know, you can have these, you can build around them. But when you talk about build, that usually means that there's money involved. And I yeah. don't see the Orioles spending any money. I think they, I don't know what their payroll is, uh, but you know, you take that Chris Davis uh, contract out of there, they're probably never going to, they, they're probably never going to do that again. I think the most frustrating thing for an Orioles fan right now is the fact that even if it, I mean, realistically, let's call it the Tigers era done after 2015 and theirs was done after 2016. They basically were all following the same trend. However, somehow the Tigers have managed to get over that hill that the Orioles are still climbing. They've gone from being not only just a top farm system in the league, but they've gone past that and they're now starting to get some of those guys up and they're starting to work through their rookie kinks. Like you can see, you can see the light toward going towards the end of that tunnel in Detroit in the same way it did in Chicago. However, if you started at the same, around the same time as Baltimore and Detroit, Baltimore is very clearly behind the ball. Yeah. Their front office is just slacking. Um, And you also got, you got to think like the fans also are probably getting tired of it too, because like say like the Red Sox, even the Yankees, when they go to visit Camden Yards, what fans are there? You know, you're going to – they have more Yankee or Red Sox fans there than Orioles fans. It's the same thing down in Tampa Bay. And that's just Let's... a completely different situation down oh. there. Yeah, it's it's just – it's so bad, some of the front office uh, moves in this AL East. But, yeah, LJ, uh, Toronto now? Um, Actually, you know – yeah, if you guys want to go there, or we could segue right from that moment into oh, the Rays' interesting position that they're in what, right first? now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's first, but it's not only a not only is it first, but it's a dominant first at thirty nine and twenty four, very convincing. And this is coming from a year where no one really knew where to put them. I mean, they just went to the World Series, but traded away one of their best pitchers. They overall talent wise looked like they could easily miss the playoffs with how good the rest of the division is. And then they come out and just remind us, it does not matter what the names are on this team. They're going to find a way to get ridiculous performances out of their pitching and get by with their lineup, no matter what they've got. Don't forget. They let Charlie Morton walk too. Mm. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that was, that was a shock to me. Um, I knew the Red Sox were interested. Heim Bloom was pretty pretty interested this uh, this off season. He was known as the uh, the one an interested person or whatever they were saying Most about interesting, him. Most interesting, yes, in the world, right? But one of the things that like really frustrates me with the Tampa Bay Rays, yeah, they traded Blake's now. Yeah, they let Morton walk, but their payroll is at sixty eight point seven million. And I love the background, mm-hmm. um, but it's that $68.7 million. And it's like you, you have Garrett Cole who makes tw- like, I don't even know how much more money uh, in, in his contract than, than the raise payroll. You've got Trevor Bauer who makes just almost as much as that entire payroll for, for a one year deal. It's, it's, it, it's frustrating especially when you've got uh, like the Dodgers and the Yankees, they're, they're over 200 million. I mean, obviously the Dodgers have spent way too much money, 250 million. And then you got the Red Sox who had 176 million and they're in second place. Hmm. So, I mean, that, that's one thing that like frustrates me besides that. I mean, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're the weirdest team in the league. They 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 make more trades than anybody. They just operate a differently than everyone. They understand that their owners do not give them any sort of a budget to spend. So they pretty much figure out they they have figured out how to operate at a cost in in the MLB. And now you see how many teams are trying to copy what the Rays do because if an owner sees that you can be cheap and also win like why not use this there yeah, the, the, the race can do it but then you have teams like let's just see the top or the bottom five uh and payroll you got the indians who i don't know how they do it but they they end up getting player these, development yeah, they develop these pitchers that are just absolutely crazy they're at 52 million with, with the least least bit of money spent on a payroll then you got the pirates which i was shocked to see that the pirates had a larger payroll than anybody because they're just always trash i mean they had they had that guy um i forgot his name but the first baseman who just got dfa'd who went with the rundown to home home plate oh will craig yeah he just got dfa'd he and found then, his way to triple A. Well, he's not in the bigs anymore, and he doesn't deserve to be in the bigs with a play like that. No. And then you got the kid who just hit his first home run the other day, and he was called out because he didn't touch first base. Like, how do you not touch first base? Like, that's literally the most Pirates thing I could probably think about. It's, yeah, I mean, it's one of those situations where, like, it's a home run. And even if it's not a home run, if you're rounding, you're trying to go for second, 
you're going to be taking almost the exact same stride every single time. Very few guys are going to be consistently stepping on the outside of first base. So there's no real reason that he should miss it. It should be almost uh, muscle memory. Yeah, I guarantee you he'll never do that again. But with this Rays team, again, we say they work differently than everybody else, but no one can figure out how the heck they exactly work. And what's what's weird about that is that you have somebody like Heim Bloom who came from the Tampa Bay Rays organization. And granted, he's not going to be able to fix everything in one year. You know, mm-hmm. and 2020 was just not you weren't going to be able to do anything. He was thrown like so many curveballs in 2020. And what he's trying to do with the Boston Red Sox right now is what they did with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, he went out and he signed uh, Hunter Renfro for $3 million. He signed Marwin Gonzalez for $3 million. One year, you know, giving these guys small contracts. Garrett Richards, uh, $10 million, which I think actually was at, uh, at $8 million. And then he has a uh, team option at the end of the year. So if he's good, which he's been pretty good lately, um, he's, had, he's had some problems with some walks, but that's what they do they get players at cheap. I mean, they've got, they got Rich Hill um, who I don't know how he just gets stays good at 40 something years old. Well, like only the Rays would like be a team that, that would, would go out and sign Rich Hill. I mean, who in their right minds thinking like, all right, we need a lefty. Like is Rich Hill really that guy? Like, could could the Red Sox have have used Chris uh, or uh, Rich Hill this year? Like, probably, but it's just like I don't know. It's such a race signing, and you you just look at uh, front offices all over the league now. I mean, look who's who's uh, the the Dodgers GM Andrew Friedman. He's a uh, he he used to run the Rays. I mean, just so much is what I'm trying to say is so much of what this team does just spreads across the league that it's, it's just, it's just strange to me, especially because they don't spend money in this sport where you're encouraged. And and I I just want to touch on that Freeman uh, situation, like him uh, being the head honcho over in LA. It's just weird that he goes from a team like the Tampa Bay Rays and where they don't spend money and Granted, the Dodgers did fantastic with like uh, with their with their farm system, and they were able to do what they did. But now they have the highest payroll by like fifty something million dollars, which Freeman out in uh, Tampa Bay he was he would never been able to do that. Yeah, I mean um, they signed they signed Pujols to a contract just just because. They were like, yeah, you, you know what? We got the money. Let's they're they're so over the the luxury tax now because they're the only team that even went over the tax that they've hit the third threshold already. So they can just keep spending now, and it's like they're gonna get taxed the same amount, whether or not they spend more. So I mean, they're almost encouraged to spend more at this point because they only end up paying like twenty million in in tax, which like. To them is nothing because it's LA. Hey, can you give me one quick second? My yeah. alarm's going off. Yeah. Would it not have been easier to pause the Zoom recording? Oh yeah, oh. for your own. 
<laughs> but my anyway, bad. yeah, one last thing to say on the Rays. Keep in mind here, you've got guys who are absolutely balling here, like Joey Wendell. You've got Brandon Lau, who's always always solid. And then keep in mind, you have three middle infielders in your top five prospects that all look to be very good, whether they're this year or next year. They don't seem to be leaning in any direction other than trading Willie Adamas. So yeah, I was about to say, like, that trade came out of left field to me. Like, like they have to do something. They've, be, they've basically got, at one point, they had, like, seven guys to play three positions in the next two years that are all decent at, at minimum. So I have no clue where they're going, and I am very intrigued to see where that goes. I'm I'm extremely interested in seeing what happens with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I was disappointed in the fact that they didn't win the World Series last year. I wanted to see it. I I, I really did. But I think they are too analytic driven. Yeah. Speaking of and that analytic- and that comes back to bite them in the ass. Speaking of analytically driven teams that end up having their ass bitten in the end. Let's talk about the Yankees here. Jesus All right. Let's do it. All right. So can, can I just mention about the Aroldis Chapman situation last night? Yes. Sure. What about it? Is, is it weird that he lost uh, some RPMs on his Ooh. slider in his fastball last night? You know, he hadn't, he, he, he hadn't appeared in a game. For quite oh, a sure. while. We're, we're, we're going to use that excuse. So, well, sounds like some spider tack into the spider. All right. Look, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw what, what, uh, jo- what Josh Donaldson said. He said, look, I called out Garrett Cole because he was the only guy who had pitched and then not used it. So his RPMs went down, but there's we so didn't mention other- Garrett Cole though. We oh, mentioned no, no, no. that. I mentioned no, if you'd like to bring up Garrett Cole's RPMs dropping, that's fine all by all right. No, but no, but we can bring up like any of <laughs> 40 pitchers who, whose RPMs have dropped. It's it's every team. It's 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 actually every team. Like it's I find I, it more interesting that the Yankees have pretty much already decided that their window is whenever Jason Dominguez gets into his prime. Yeah, I wouldn't no, that's not true. It's the Yankees. We're always gonna just throw throw money at it and it'll eventually turn it really on. They're, they they're not throwing money this year the last decade. Not throwing money this year, but that's because uh, we're, we're, we're strapped right now because we just threw all the money at, at Garrett Cole. Look, this, like, there's a lot of please. There's, there's a lot of talk uh, on, on, on Yankees Twitter about, you know, possibly making a trade, which it, at, at tell Marte. Point, yeah. Whether Starling it's, Marte, whether it's Starling Marte, the whole thing, just reset the outfield. Just, Something if some someone who can play either shortstop or outfield because well I'll tell you one thing the the one thing that they the mistake that they made was not going after DD. I mean we could have had Harper instead of Stanton like realistically we could have done that a better contract too. Harper would rake at Yankee Stadium. He pulls everything in the air. Like, are you kidding me? To right field, he would he would have a field day. I can't believe that. Like, all Yankee fans are like, no, like we have such a good outfield, we'll be fine. We don't need Harper. When anymore. you have everyone irrationally hates Bryce Harper. When you you have when your center fielder 
on a daily basis is Brett Gardner, you know you have a problem. When your everyday out, outfield consists of Andujar or Clint Frazier. Andujar's good. No, Andujar's He's good. okay. You can't say Fine. he's good. He's okay. He's okay. okay. He's a lot better than Frazier is. But I, I watched a game where freaking Aaron Judge had to play center field. A 6'7 guy. Why, why yeah, are no. we putting Aaron Judge in center? A 6'7 guy who can't play on turf, mind you. So, like... No, no, just no. He can't play four days in a row on turf. That's that's the Yankee okay. rule. Is that there's there's like so many rules that it's and also just the the way that they handle injuries is a joke. They lie to the media. They have a lot of practice day. with it too, especially when it comes to Stanton and Judge. Every everybody everybody but Garrett Cole knows how to handle lying to the media. Jesus Christ! I, I, you know what? As a Red Sox fan, I felt embarrassed for you Yankee fans. I mean, I was laughing, but I felt embarrassed for it. All right, look, it's not even, like, so Cole, like, first of all, like, such a bad answer by him. Like, just just lie. It's not going to matter at the end of the day. That's what I'm saying. Just, that, I mean, we all know that every pitcher is using it. Secondly, I, also, like, would it have really been, even if he told the truth, would it have been that terrible at this point? Yes. Trevor, Bauer, Trevor Bauer went out of the dugout the other day on his way to the mound and took the tin out of his pants pocket of the sticky stuff and put it on his gloves standing outside of the dugout. It's a joke. They, they don't care. Like it is such it, a joke. What MLB has turned this into. It, and, and LJ, this is the reason why I told you on our latest episode on episode 31 of the pesky report. I told you, I don't care. I don't care about this. This whole thing. It, it really is a joke. It's a joke. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a joke. However, you have to agree. First off, whether it's allowed cheating or not, it is cheating by definition. Well, if we're if going so, there, so isn't sign stealing? Yeah. You're, you're, yes, if but, you're at, at second base and you're stealing a sign, that's cheating too. Yes. You're taking however, it, you're trying to get the advantage. Yes. So I guess my point here is this is a league that has a serious offense problem. So if the league can. Sure. If the league can fix the offense by cracking down on cheating, that seems to be the easiest and most straightforward way to go. Let's just all do right, it. All right. Seems as though we're gonna we're talking about this right now. I'm sure we're not gonna keep going into this. Now they said that they deadened the ball, and now that because now that we know about this uh, spider attack and whatnot, do you think they should just go back to letting the ball fly? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. No. Yeah. Bring. Bring back the juice balls and and let the pitchers use stuff. That way, it's it's completely fair for the hitters. I'm down yeah, for that. More balls in play is going to be a better con, better product than a ton of home runs. Okay, well you can I'm have just the best. You can have the like best crazy. of both worlds. You can have, you can have the offense and you can have the pitching. Yeah, I want I want half the league suspended at one point in time for the by the end of the year, and all of a sudden we're going to have the league back in control. We can have sliders that move three feet, and we can also have 500-foot home runs. Like, it's it's perfect. I mean, anything would be better than the uh, 12-12 curveball Matt Barnes had Sunday night instead of the 12-6. The, the strike right down the middle of the plate for Odor? Oh, right yeah. down the middle of the plate, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, as for the Yankees, I mean, look, a team that offensively, 
like for as much as I complain about them offensively, they're 15th in OPS for like team OPS. So that's right league average. I mean, where are they uh, for balls hit into uh, ground rule or grounded into double plays? Oh, uh, first, like 100% first. And we're the worst base running team in the league. But the pitching, I think, especially the starting pitching, has That's surprised it surprised a lot of people because outside of Garrett Cole coming into this year, people were really doubting the Yankees starters and well, they've had some big guys step up. I mean, well, think about it. You're number two before you guys signed Kluber. And then even saying that Kluber was your number two is ridiculous scary. in my, my opinion, but before the signing of Kluber and the trade for Tyon, it's, uh, your your Not second pi- yeah your second pitcher best pitcher was Montgomery and I'm sorry but that doesn't that doesn't impress me no no and uh guys like him he he has performed very well this year Domingo Herman has stepped up in a piece big of way. crap <laughs> you know he is a piece of crap but uh it's a very fair assessment on him uh in his personal so it's Chapman so is Batman. Yeah. But uh, the, the, uh, the bullpen has been good. I mean, you can expect that out of the Yankees pretty much every year. Right. They love to throw money at the bullpen. Uh, but if the All offense right. turns it around, it's a scary team. So we are at 10 minutes before the Red Sox game. We're going to try to be respectful to Brad. That's, that's fine. I've got the game on right here. I'm just do a bit of a lightning it. round, but one last comment on the Yankees here, Brandon, you kind of just exposed the whole issue yourself there saying you're 15th in OPS but it doesn't feel like that at all no and and so that just further proves that this whole analytics thing yes while it works over a season it does not work game to game at all this lineup construction this philosophy and so even if you just keep making the playoffs you're not going to be able to when it comes down to you have to win these next three games or you're done this team isn't built with the mentality or capability to do that. Brandon, can I, can I ask you a question? Sure. sure. And this isn't me crapping on you, uh, no. on your team. What do you think needs to uh, happen with the New York Yankees? Uh, we, you know, being a fan of baseball for a little more than half my life. Um, Yankees are always scary, you know, lately, it seems like you have Boone who can't just make a decision. Is it Boone that needs to go? Is it Cashman that needs to go? Or is it both of them that needs to go? Well, to be fair, Boone, as much as I don't like some of his in-game management, the front office completely controls everything that, that, that he does. They people don't realize how much the Yankees front office, like their reach that they have when it comes to in-game choices, like stuff that's happening during the game, the front office has control over. It is ridiculous. When it comes down to the lineup, Aaron Boone is not selecting who's playing that day. They have just just so sophisticated analytics that they use. And look, I'm all for the analytics. You guys hear me every day on here use analytics, stuff like war. OPS plus all that stuff, but they just, uh, I just don't understand. They, they overthink so much. He's a puppet. 
they they actively try to not win games so they can plan for the future. Like that entire Tiger series, we weren't trying to win. We were only using pitchers till we could send them down to AAA the next day. Like that was it. It was to prepare for the for the Rays and Red Sox series. Just we need to change our entire organizational philosophy. Like, why are we overthinking everything? I just I don't understand why they the front office thinks the way they do. And if if you look at Brian Cashman, sure was the assistant GM from from '93 and is able to build part of the dynasty, but then. Since he's taking control in 2000, one World Series, like one World Series in the in the best market with the highest payroll pretty much every season. At least somebody at some point is going to shout at me when I say this. However, I don't think we should be too harsh on cash here because overall. You said that to a Yankee fan and the Yankee fan literally like rolled his eyes. Well, no, think about it though. There has been one season or one or two seasons over the past. We're going 21, we're going 21, uh, 21 years so far. But there's only been one or two seasons where you've been sellers at the deadline. You have to at least accept that. The fact that these teams have been good throughout his entire tenure. This may, I, I genuinely think when it comes down to it, first off, everybody should be fired because this is a, organizational philosophy issue this is an organizational culture issue and it really should kind of just they should need to clean the slate if they're going to have any hope of fixing this out however think, that being said both of them should get opportunities elsewhere i think cashman if anything is burnt out at this point like 20 years of success is a lot of time in one job so maybe a year or two away and then working on an, at another on another team might do him a lot of good as for Judge or Judge um, Boone, you said it yourself. He's not the issue here. He certainly deserves another shot somewhere else outside of New York. They screwed Girardi. Yeah, they yeah we they screwed yeah, we Girardi, screw and they Girardi. also they also screwed Mattingly. Screwed screwed over every just the since since I, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's talk about the Blue Jays. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Blue Jays, of course, here at 31 and 29. They're not doing bad, but they're also not doing good. What? And a lot of that comes from just the pitching staff has underwhelmed at times. Right. Uh, one of the, what are your thoughts, Brandon? My, so my takeaway on the Blue Jays is they had probably one of the biggest free agent signings uh, this offseason in George Springer. And they also had the one of the other bigger free agent signings that actually never ended up happening with Michael Brantley, and which was absolutely hilarious in my I opinion. Forgot of, I I completely forgot about that. But George Springer has played a total of what three games? Yeah, he signed that big contract with the Blue Jays, and he he hasn't he hasn't done anything. Here's another team that never goes and spends money. They decide that they're going to spend the money on on a power guy, a good outfielder, and a good leadoff guy, too. And three games, maybe four, I think it is. But it I, one series, yeah. But, I mean, outside of that, Vladdy, 
coming in, taking 30, uh, dropping 30 pounds, 30, 40 pounds. He looked in fantastic shape uh, when I saw him, when, when they were showing him, they were showing him like for the first time they were like, wow, this is, this is Vlad jr. And I'm like, what man, he lost a lot of weight. And then, you know, you're going to get power production from him and you have, I believe he's got 18 home runs right now. He's, he's either leading the league or he's in second place for home runs. Um, you've got Biggio and then you've got Bochette. Same. Those guys. Yeah. You also got Simeon, which I'm, I'm shocked that they got Simeon because there were a lot of people that were in on him. And I'm shocked that he's still playing second base with the way that Biggio had played second base or not Biggio Bouchette. Sorry. Yeah, right, shortstop. Know. Sorry. Wow. I'm just getting confused all over the place here. Bichette, Bichette's playing shortstop. Simeon's playing second. I think that, you know, Simeon should be playing shortstop. You know, I, I understand where you're going there. However, I'm compl- I've completely flipped my opinion on Bichette here. I mean, obviously it makes sense, especially seeing you've got Marcus Simeon on a one-year deal. You don't know how much longer he's going to be with the team. And Bo Bichette is one of you, the part of your future plan here. So ideally you would like to have your shortstop locked down for a while. Just let him learn there. As for the errors and the defensive issues, I didn't understand at all why they were so bad on that left side of the infield. Both, both Biggio and Bichette had a very tough start to the year. Well, Biggio it was a hundred percent done eating, or at least a good part of it was done eating. You, you both watched games there. That field and the conditions there were terrible. So I, I would be interested. I haven't looked, but I would I would expect you're going to see much better numbers from Vigio and Bichette while they're on the boat, the, the, the Toronto Blue Jays. The, the Buffalo while, Blue Jays? While they're on the Toronto Blue Jays of Buffalo and not the Toronto Blue Jays of Dunedin. The, the environment for Dunedin was... Uh, was what really hurt um hurt teams down there i mean you're right on the ocean so you're getting that breeze and i don't i didn't watch any of the blue jays games that they faced like the yankees so i can't say anything about that um while they were down there if that was if they even did did they face them down and down yeah we had we had we had one series there or two series there actually so i mean you probably saw how the ball was flying over there i mean it, the wind was blowing all over the place. Well, it's the wind, and it's also there was at least two games in that one series where I'm not sure if it was the humidity, the rain, moisture, some form of moisture that the infield was as hard as a rock. Yeah. yeah. No matter, and I'm I'm not sure if it was just poor. It was like overall, clay. Poor, poor maintenance. I mean, you should be able to fix that. However, at some point, it might just have come down to the environment around them and the how good the field is being a minor league spring training park so well look i mean put aside the field put aside anything now that they're in 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 buffalo i mean this is one of the best offenses in the league and like we've just said george springer hasn't hasn't played really at all pitching wise hyunjin ryu who they signed uh to be their ace He's been okay this year. He hasn't been great. 
Robbie Ray has really stepped it up for them pitching-wise. Steven Matz had a good start of the year. He has regressed a little bit, but this is one of the best farm systems in the league, and not to mention a lot of these guys who who are on this prospects list aren't even like – or they have guys on their team who just came up, like should – are very young. I mean – Like Biggio. 22. uh, Right. Exactly. The three core guys. Yeah, they're all like under 25. And then not to mention they have like eight or nine top 100 prospects. Nate Pearson's a top 10 uh, prospect in the league, pitching prospect. He's supposed to be a front of the line starter. This is going to be a scary team uh, for, for years to come. Like they, if they can put the, these offensive pieces together and they can just pitch their way out of a couple of situations a week, they're a scary team. Yeah, I mean, when you have uh, a Vladdy in the lineup with someone like uh, Teoscar Hernandez, and then you've got Lotus Correal, that that probably scares me a little bit more than like a Biggio because Biggio is kind of it been he hasn't been he hasn't been great. Mm. He hasn't been really good. He hasn't been he's been meh. You know, and Biggio doesn't scare me uh, the way that Teoscar Hernandez does. Vlad Jr. does. You know, when that when you have those two guys in the lineup, I'm just like, well, and they're both in the lineup today. <laughs> uh, yeah, LJ. Yeah. Either either way, no matter what you're dissecting you're in a very good spot if you're a top five team in on base percentage and fourth in home runs. Right. And that's without George Springer. Like it's exactly. crazy. It's crazy. They're they're, they're going to be a good team for, for, for a few years, which also, and then, and, and, then and, and, and I, I do want to say one thing. Uh, I will say something good about the Yankees uh, for you, Brandon. Okay. Uh, the Yankees are not nearly as bad as they've been. <laughs> No, fair. I think yeah. I think that the Yankees are going to turn it around. They, this always happens. The Red Sox go ahead and they start off the year really good. They're really hot. Then the All Star break it comes around, and then everything turns around for both teams. For some reason, the Red Sox are good at the beginning of the year, while the Yankees suck. And then once the uh, the All Star break happens, and any true fan of either team knows this. Yeah. I mean, if you if you don't say this, it's because you're you just don't want to admit it. <laughs> no, you're, you're you're posturing, but that's actually a good segue into what I was about to ask first. With these Red Sox, is in my opinion, after last season, if I got meaningful games in August, which we didn't get last year, no. the game the season started in the first week of the last week of July. And we didn't have meaningful games in August. That's pathetic. So, so, I mean, as long as I got meaningful games in August, I would have been pleased with the direction the team was going in the season. But so far, they are completely blowing away my expectations for this team, who I thought was like, had a good shot to get an all, get a wild card bid. I thought if they expanded the playoffs, this team should be should have been expected to make the playoffs. It would have been nice. They had a good shot all the same, just as good a shot as the Rays, just as good a shot as the Blue Jays. 
but they've completely blown away what I was thinking. So what were your expectations going into the year and how have they changed? Uh, my expectation going into this season uh, wasn't really high. I didn't know what to expect out of Richards. Um, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect from a Marwan Gonzalez. I didn't like what I saw, um, which if you look at his numbers, they, they're proving me correct. Um, Hunter Renfro. Uh, I wasn't uh, a, a big fan of that signing and I completely want to kick myself in the ass for that one because he's just been absolutely fire uh, as a fleet. Uh, he's got a cannon for an arm out in right field. Um, he's batting over 300 since the beginning of May. And he's got, I believe he has eight outfield assists. And he should have had one uh, one more. He should have had nine the other night. Mm. But the tag was high. And uh, Kike, uh, I was looking forward to. So it's just how are these guys going to get together? How are these guys going to play together? I didn't know what to expect. So my thoughts actually going in were pretty low. They were higher than last year, but they aren't as high as they are now. Um, I will be disappointed if they don't make the wild card because that's where I see them right now. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think honestly, if you had to say at this point, I'm pretty pleased knowing what I know out of the moves that were made this last year, because even if you didn't hit on all of them, like there were some, there were some misses here. He's hit on the majority of the major leaguers here. Franchi Cordero is a difficult situation because of course he's not the majority of what you got in that trade. You got a hell of a lot more prospects that have a lot better chances in the league than Franchi Cordero seems to do on first eye test. I got to ask you, how many times did you hear the, Oh, we traded Ben attendee for this bum. You know, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of people who get overly passionate without actually thinking crit- critically, especially within the Boston sports. It, it, it was really, it's really frustrating as somebody who's very vocal on uh, social media to hear people just say, um, Oh, we traded Benny and this is what we got. It's like, no, this is one of the pieces we got. I don't know how many times I've actually had to say that between Facebook and Twitter, but it, it got really annoying. And well, I think it's certainly the easy narrative, which again, really- it is because Franchi was the only MLB ready player at the time, which he showed that he obviously wasn't ready for uh, the bigs. But yeah. I mean, let's call that a, let's call that a miss, miss for theory in theory past that. Madden Andres has not been anything close to what I hoped in this point. Just you mean Freddy Krueger? Yeah, yeah. Um, hasn't come up in those big You situations. can use that in two different ways. He's a nightmare, and uh, he looks like Freddy Krueger. Uh, LJ, just one thing on Matt Andres really quick. He's pitched the most innings out of anyone in your bullpen except for Garrett Whitlock. Like, you guys use this guy that much? Were we blown out that much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so he's he's the the innings eater when you're up by a million. Or down he's definitely much. not a guy you put in when it's like a a, a, a big spot. No, I, he proved that last night throwing seven balls in a row, which I won't go there with with, with runners on. 
Um, yeah, with the bases juiced. Oh, dang. yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, he's one of those guys who you put in in low leverage situations and still somehow finds a way to disappoint, but he's just serviceable enough not to get the X. What, what really disappointed me with yesterday's uh, game was the fact that he came in, he, he walked the first batter, walked a run in, and then he, he got a, uh, a mound visit from the, uh, the pitching coach, and then he uh, continued to throw three more balls. And I'm sitting here yelling at my TV. I'm like, and we sit Valdez down for this bum? Yeah, I mean, but looking past that, of course, we talk Whitlock. It took me a while to get on board, but he's turned around to the point where he is a solid piece. Turned it around, team. man. He started the season off with like a zero ERA. <laughs> and one of my biggest shocks, uh, the biggest shock for me was the Adam Adovino uh, trade with Frankie, Frankie Herman and some cash. And with the fact that we ended up getting, I was all for getting Adam Adovino. Yeah. Uh, there were a few. I was all for getting rid of him. So <laughs> we're on the same page. There were a few, uh, few people who weren't on it, but he's been, he's been really, really good. And <laughs> let me ask you, let me ask you a question, Brandon. What's the reasoning? Was it for the 2020 season? No, it was just it was just he he had a couple playoff meltdowns and it was just like he's a great pitcher and all the Yankee fans understood it but his contract was too big and if we didn't trade him we probably wouldn't have been able to get Kluber so it was like you you mean you wouldn't have been able to get Brett Gardner yeah really probably probably Brett Gardner was like a big part of that too as well Brett Gardner and and uh, and, and, and O'Day yeah, which I can't believe that guy's still pitching. Oh well, he's he's been hurt for a while. He's got to come back though. We could really use him in some spots here. But yeah, I mean, going through what I was saying before earlier, uh, real quick in terms of hits, Garrett Richards better than I was expecting, better than the beginning of the season. Hunter Renfro has blown past my expectations. I mean, we're talking about him in a Gold Glove light. With I think he out. should be he should be in the All Star game. That's very fair especially with the May he had. He's just turned Brown is absolutely crushing the ball. And then I don't think you're giving Marwin Gonzalez enough credit. Great. His defense the, offense, the offense is rough. The offense could give you Salmonella with how raw it is, but <laughs> the defense is brilliant. And it's, I get blown away every right. time he's out there. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was giving LJ a lot of crap about a Danny Santana in the, the leadoff spot. It just That's it makes, actually where I was going I next. don't even want to get into this. Because I no have – I'm going to tell you right now. Everybody in my crew, every time that lineup comes out and Arroyo is not leading off, we're yelling. Yep. A lot of people out there will sit here and say, but we want Verdugo as the leadoff hitter. Well, Verdugo, Verdugo has been hitting as, uh, as the second guy for all, most of the season, if not all the season. He's hitting in front of JD. So if you move Verdugo up, are you going to move JD up? And if you move JD up, are you going to move Devers up? And so on and so on. And instead of doing all that crap, I think we need to put Arroyo there. I agree with you. Uh, Danny Santana. Marvin Gonzalez and Kike Hernandez should not be leading off. No, it's not close. Uh, Kike, again, 
love the guy. Hasn't really performed to what I would like to see. Had a but, hell of a catch last night, though. Yeah. Um, that but, was a lame yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great catch last night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think with the majority of the the misunderstanding with why Verdugo's not leading off and people wanting him to is overall Alex Cora's adoration for Xander Bogart's batting in the four spot. I don't get that one either. I, I mean, I, real, I realistically, thought... isn't that like the perfect J? Like, isn't your lineup built so perfect where you can go like Verdugo one, Devers two, Bogart no. three? Why Mark, are you going to go Verdugo and why are you going to go left, left? Oh, okay. So, so you go no, Verdugo, Bogarts, Martinez, Devers would be the simple thought. However, I am all for Arroyo leading off and just putting him in that one spot. Yeah, it, it really needs to happen. And every day that they end up putting Kike or Marwin or Danny Santana, I have a tweet that I'll be posting. All right. Well, um, we have blown way past what we told you, Brad. I'm very sorry. Uh, don't worry about it, guys. It's a blast ha- coming on, and uh, the Red Sox are losing already. It's <laughs> it's the bottom, uh, top of the first. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it, it's Garrett Richards against the Blue Jays, right? So yeah. what would you expect? Well, you know, I'd expect a little bit better than uh, 20 pitches in the first inning um, with one out. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I guess – if you would, would like to uh, leave with lead in your uh, closing remarks, plug anything you'd like. Uh, so I, I think the Rays are going to end up taking um, the East. I believe I, I will be happy if the Red Sox take a wild card. Uh, as I said before, the Yankees are a lot better than they're, they've been playing. Cashman's a lot smarter than, uh, than people are leading on. Uh, saying he is um you got a lot of twitter people out there twitterverse who are saying that um you know get rid of boone get rid of cashman you know burn it all down um i don't think that that's what needs to happen i just think that they need to readjust and uh put their heads together and whatnot so if i'm going to if i'm going to be honest i think what's going to end up happening is it's going to be tampa and new york because if the Red Sox end up doing exactly what they do most of the times uh, after they have a good start to the year, uh, you can expect that they will start um, going down uh, with losses and whatnot in, in the rankings um, after the All-Star break. But with that being said, my name is Brad Chandler. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, I run the Pesky Reports Twitter account. It's twitter.com backslash pesky report. Um, tweet at me, follow us. I don't care if you're uh, a Yankees fan, a Rays fan, a Jays fan, an Orioles fan. Uh, I don't care if you like baseball over in uh, China or Japan. Just follow me. We talk baseball. We, go, we like I said before, we record after, at the end of every series and it's up by the next morning. Great. Uh- yeah, thank you for coming on once again. And uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Yeah, manana.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.